0: You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between exercise and positive mental health. And our big mission is to help 10,000 women develop fitter minds and bodies in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to episode number 22 of the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. Today, we talk to Peter Davies about his running journey, including why he thinks running is one of the easiest forms of movement. Enjoy. Okay, today we are very lucky to have Peter Davies, a good friend of mine, come and have a chat on Fit Mind, Fit Body. So welcome, Peter.
1: Thanks, Michelle. It's good to be here.
0: So Peter and I are in the same room. You may or may not notice the the way the microphone works in here, so when we have... The two of us in one room makes it much easier for the sound to have a quality that people like i think rather than the two different uh, microphones often that we get when we when people are far away anyway moving on pete tell us a little bit about yourself
1: uh well i was born in wales oh. part of the united kingdom yes and to a welsh father and an english mother and my childhood was bilingual. Uh, my mother tongue technically was Welsh.
0: Yes. And
1: I went to Welsh primary school, but we had both languages clearly at home. Yeah. Um, and I lived there, uh, the time I remember was from the age of about four to 10 of my childhood. And I lived in a small town of about 2000 people in rural Wales. Wow.
0: Um,
1: and then we emigrated to Australia when I was yeah. 10. And we came to Lilydale where my father was a pastor in a church.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I did my end of my primary school at Lilydale.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then I did my high schooling here in Launceston, yeah. which I'm very fond of that part of my life, which was Brooks High School. And then we, I went to Hobart to do grade 11 and 12 at Hobart Matriculation College, as it was called.
0: How come you went to Hobart just down there? My dad
1: died when I was 14. Okay. Uh, and my sister, being two years older, it was appropriate for us to move there for her entering yeah. university, and I went into grade 11 at the same time.
0: Yeah, just sort of coincidental, the yeah. movement.
1: Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to get into medical school down yeah. in Hobart, and I did six years there uh, and graduated there. Yeah. Um, and then f- came back to Launceston because I really liked it here as a child and also I'd been here as a medical student on rotation and thought I really liked the Launceston General Hospital and I was fortunate enough to get a job here for a couple of years
0: yeah
1: Um, and then after that uh, I decided I'd go back to the home country and worked in not in Wales I worked in uh, southwest England at Devon I was there for the best part of two years
0: is um, that good? Did yeah, that was it was fantastic,
1: yeah. And that's probably where I more seriously got into running, oh. actually, was when I was in Devon because, you know, you move to a different country, mm-hmm. you've got more spare time on your hands. I was still single. Um, you haven't made friends yet, so what do you do? You, you find something some to do, so here, yeah, go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> and devon's a really pretty place yes. with lots of really nice places to run so that's where my running really took off i think wow. yeah, so
0: do you remember just going <laughs> way back when you were in wales like i've only really driven through wales did that feel like a place where it, life i guess is a bit tougher but also you're outdoors a lot just for me just my understanding of wales is it's kind of a very country sort of Feel to it, and people are outdoors and, and being physical all the time. Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. We oh, the town we lived in had a small uh, Norman castle ruin, mm-hmm. and a lot of the kids from town used to walk or bike ride down there. Yeah. And play on the ramparts of the, which are now. I've been back there as an adult, and it's sort all of, do not climb on because yeah, it's dangerous. It's got but to it, say. <laughs> so and it had a little park with swings and roundabouts and all this kind of stuff. So that was the sort of communal place in the town where kids went yeah Uh, we didn't have television i don't think very few people in town this is going back a bit had television so we were outdoors a lot uh the backyard of our house opened up onto a football ground that we could play on we'd play soccer and other games yeah um yeah but we were active in the winter if there was snow uh we'd go tobogganing oh
0: yeah
1: Uh, but yeah we were i think my generation of children were movement people. Mm-hmm. We actually just moved about a
0: lot. Yeah. And, and particularly, you know, or at least my image of it is, you know, if you're in that environment, like I imagine Wales was, and probably still is to a degree that it's kind of, it's not as far to go to get outside, if that makes sense. Whereas if you're in your yeah. built, you know, built up area in a city kind of environment, perhaps the, you know, that getting out and moving around as a kid is not as, not as easy.
1: Well, I I don't think our parents were concerned about where we were Um, like this current generation. So we had a lot of freedom Mm. because they knew we were playing with kids in the street. We actually lived in a terrace street. Okay.
0: So there were about
1: 30 houses in a row. So you're actually a lot of families. Yeah. Very close, a lot of kids close together. Yeah. So, and every house was the same. So if you visited your friend's house.
0: (laughs) You knew where the bathroom
1: was. Everything <laughs> was identical.
0: Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Actually, I maybe did notice that a bit when I was in England. It was like similar terrorist uh-huh. terrace areas. It's uh-huh. ah, so, okay, moving forward, um, now you're, obviously I know a little bit about you <laughs> because we know each other quite well, but um, tell us about your family life. You
1: said you were single, obviously, in England, but
0: then yeah, so after that,
1: obviously, you weren't. <laughs> I, yeah, I came back here in 80, 1982. Yeah. Um, and then I met, I'd, I'd actually met Anne, my wife, to be uh, in 1979, 80. Yeah. But it really hadn't worked out then. So <laughs> then we came. We both came back into this Launceston area
0: yeah.
1: in about 82, 3.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we met up again probably in 84 and then we got married in 86.
0: So for those who don't know, and may have skipped over the bit where Pete said he went to medical school, so you became a doctor. Yeah. And what's Anne's profession?
1: Anne's a nurse, she's um, been all kinds of nurse, but at the time yeah. I first met her, she was working in an operating theater yeah. and I was uh, doing anesthetics and in and out of theater for other things. Yeah. And we met over a mask, our eyes met over a mask. Oh.
0: It sounds like a COVID relationship at the moment. Yeah.
1: So we're a bit used to wearing masks.
0: Yeah. Um, so you yeah. and Anne met, you got married.
1: And, and then we've uh, had three children.
0: Yeah.
1: There's Andy, Ruth, and Susan, mm-hmm. who are, uh, well, Susan, the youngest, will be 30 in September. So they're ranging from 34 down to
0: 30. Yeah.
1: And Andy's living in Canada.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And Ruth, the middle child, lives in um, Thailand. Yeah. and Susan's still at home with us. Wow, so,
0: so although she hasn't always been has she? She's been, no, she's you know, been, been all and over and the place, she, it's just temporary, yeah. she's staying with yeah. us at
1: the time being. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's also generationally the way it is. We expect yeah. our children to come back and stay a bit, I think, and yeah, we, and we like true. it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. nice, especially as uh, we might get into in a minute, but you and Anne tend to be very adventurous and get out and about. So having someone who can be around uh, at the house sometimes it's kind of yeah, handy. It's good, yeah. <laughs> That's all that works. Correct, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you guys got married, you had some kids, and what kind of stuff did you get up to after that? You're obviously both in the medical field.
1: Yeah, I worked um, when I came into Launceston and I decided I was going to be a general practitioner mm-hmm. rather than specialise. Mm-hmm. and so I started doing general practice uh, in town uh, in about 84 and I joined a local practice eventually and I've worked in town as a general practitioner up until two years ago when I retired Uh, and um, the gaps in that were, I spent, we decided because we're Christians, we went to work with the Christian Mission in Niger, West Africa in 96 for four years with our family. And I took 95 away from general practice to get back into hospital work. So I worked at the LGH doing anaesthesia for all of 95.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So we've been in West Africa for four years then. Mm -hmm. And then we went back last year. Mm -hmm. And because of our age and on advice, we were advised to repatriate. So we repatriated back to Australia because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually came into Australia on just the day after Anzac Day Mm -hmm. last year. Yeah, And we're going again in a couple of weeks' time.
0: So by the time this um, podcast is launched, this episode, you guys will be back yep. in 19. 19- yeah,
1: we're, we'll be there. Well, we're leaving in a fortnight.
0: Yeah, so this will be a few weeks after that but this goes live. So um, it's very interesting, even the fact that you guys are getting prepared to go off and do that. But how does that relate to, um, you know, your running story? I suppose um, maybe we'll go back now to England but You said that was where you started. You know, this yeah. love of running was when you were single in in England and and um, doing some of your doctoring.
1: Yeah, because uh, I knew I was going to come and be interviewed. I actually thought a bit about Did that, <laughs> but um, the I realised that I had endurance at some point in my life, and it was. I'm convinced it was when I was 18.
0: Yeah
1: and i went with two of my friends who were 20 and 21 year olds to walk the south coast track of tasmania, tasmania a bush, a very very bushwalk. tough bushwalk isn't yeah. it? and this was my first big bushwalk with mm-hmm. many multiple overnight uh trips you know trip yeah and so i was the novice and it was really for some people they would have said it was a really hard walk yeah. um, we arrived there and we were looking for a guy who was doing some research down there. So we, we sort of spent a day looking for his workplace and we found it, but he was out on his research so we didn't meet him. And then we came back into Melaleuca, which is where you fly into at Port Davey, And I had afternoon tea with Denny King, wow. the king of the southwest, yeah. the legend of mm-hmm. the southwest. So here I'm I as a novice bushwalker,
0: yeah,
1: an 18-year-old having afternoon tea with Denny. So With
0: that of, of the, yeah, that. Part of the
1: and then so we we were late then and we had a pickup at the other end of the track. So it was a helter skelter rush along the south coast. Yeah. And I actually found we were walking from pretty much 9 a.m. till dark yeah. every day. And I I actually discovered I quite enjoyed
0: that the rhythm body. of
1: this long uh, activity. And I was recovering each day. Mm. So I didn't seem to be getting that fatigued by it all either. So I thought maybe I'm built for endurance. Uh, And then following that, uh, the next university holidays, one of the guys on that trip, we decided to go running each morning Mm -hmm. around Sandy Bay, and it was about four or five uh, kilometres. And we did it every morning through the university holidays, which was really good because it meant I got up at 6.30 and did it. Mm -hmm. And I found... That was quite good. Uh, and then, so I'd been running a bit, but nothing of any distance. Yeah, um, And then when I got into to England, it seemed like a logical thing to keep doing. Um, and I was gradually increasing distance and running in, where I was living in Exeter in Devon, uh, there's a, a canal that connects the uh, city To the X River,
0: yeah,
1: and it's got a towpath on the canal, which is a perfect place to actually run. There's there's it's public footway. There's people walking their dogs and doing other things, and a few runners. Mm -hmm. But it's actually nearly flat, yeah, and it was bitumen surface, and so there I was in my Adidas Rome Mm -hmm. sand shoes, (laughs) which were standard footwear for the day, yeah going up and down this towpath quite regularly Mm -hmm. up to about 10 kilometres a time Mm -hmm. and I got found I could really enjoy that and I actually also again I found it didn't fatigue me and I found it was really good for my work because I was working quite hard yes and a lot of work that went long into the night and it seemed to be having gave me lots of energy for work I think recovery from fatigue was really good while you're running
0: so, I mean, you're, you're obviously in, you're a medical person and you would know that the studies now have shown that the more exercise that we do, at least there is a point, I think a tipping point, mm. where if you do too much, you know, you don't get that energy back. Mm. But there is that point, which just seems to be what you're describing to me, um, where it, you're expending energy, but you're actually going to get more energy back, as opposed to if you hadn't done that yep. exercise, yep you would have been um, perhaps not had the capacity to do those other things mm. that you had to do in the work.
1: And also it's a bit obvious that some of my colleagues weren't looking after themselves
0: yeah. health-wise mm-hmm.
1: in the physical sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it had impacts for the way their work went. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sitting around too much,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, not active enough. And so then getting fatigued. And it's a bit of a vicious sort of cycle that happens. Because
0: it's not even just the, um, the energy levels and in a position like you guys, you're making life and death choices. Yeah. There's also the your mental acuity drops quite a bit, yeah. I think.
1: I think mental acuity is the most important part. Yeah. It's how fast and well are you thinking. You make
0: those decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. When, when you have worked long hours, mm-hmm. and there's arguments that those hours nowadays aren't acceptable, yeah. but that was the era when yeah. it was just the way it was. Yeah. So.
0: I, think it, I actually heard something the other day. It's still very much like that. Uh, in America, right. In, in particular, I know that I think here, maybe in the UK as well, that they're trying to temper that a little bit and reduce the number of hours, especially that registers um, have to do. But that idea of being tired and when you really need to have your mind on the, yeah. the game, um, it sounded like the, the running was actually giving that to you, even though you didn't know it at the time, but that's what it would do. Yeah. Like You were doing it for other reasons but they were
1: that was the good good outcomes yeah so,
0: which kept you going like yeah. it made you want to keep doing it i
1: guess and i was always pretty good at actually going by myself i, I did run with other people i yeah. was running with one of the guys i was working with a bit um, and i had a couple of people that visited me for a while and stayed and i would run with them because i knew they were runners you know like so but i was almost no matter what the weather was like and the weather's very difficult to predict mm-hmm. in the UK and we didn't have that. We didn't have drizzly. well, we didn't have apps to look at. <laughs> you know, like so. If true. I decided I was going to run, I'd go out. And I actually used to run in the dark a bit because yeah. that was the only time I had free. And yeah. I only had one accident, crashed into a wall once doing that because a brick had fallen out of a wall and I tripped over oh, the okay. brick. Yeah. But so it was, it was pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Try and pick streets with reasonable lighting. Yeah. I couldn't run the towpath path of the canal at night it, it was too dark, dark. Yeah, but, so you had to run around town somewhere but yeah so there, there were ways around of, of running fairly regularly.
0: So if you like often a question that I ask in these interviews is how you get out the door it doesn't seem like you have any trouble even when you were younger and I don't know that you have that much trouble now no, <laughs> you just, of, you don't...
1: I think you just decide like yeah. I, I think now as I've been older I've been more with and with Anne I'm telling her. Like, I'm going running tomorrow morning. Yeah. And then it's definite, that's our arrangement. So because I,
0: you've said I've that.
1: said that. But mm-hmm. so while you're by yourself, it's like it's just an internal thing. You say, well, I'm going to go now or I'll go in an hour.
0: So it's that making <laughs> that commitment to yourself. It's it is like by talking yeah, to yourself. Yeah,
1: prioritising you know. it. Like, so you know if something else crops up, no, I'm going to go for the run first or I'll delay the other thing. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. So. so how many years have you been running for? if you were to take the start ish you know you're serious serious if we want to call it that running it's 40 years it's plus the last start. Yeah. yeah
1: so when i was in exeter the they had the inaugural exeter marathon
0: yeah
1: which because this is the era also when marathons were just becoming socially uh important yeah um, and so i ran in that with three friends in the end yeah so we sort of put a a nominal team together and uh, trained a bit together for that. So that was fun. Um, And I was actually sponsored for that. So with that, that was one of the ideas with the inaugural Exeter (laughs) Marathon was that you nominated a charity, each runner did, and then you fundraised. And I was in quite a good position to fundraise because I was working in a big hospital there. And I nominated uh, the money to go to um, a hospice that they were just building, so that yeah. yeah, so was good. And people liked the idea of donating to a hospice. So.
0: Yeah, especially yeah. to a bunch of doctors who are.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of an encouragement to actually uh, train a bit more too. Yeah. If you're actually, you know, you're carrying someone else's money on your,
0: on your outside back. Of, outside. Yeah.
1: So that was, I thought that was really good. And that was just that was two, a bit of a boring marathon course, really, because it was just two laps in the city. Yeah. But there was, because it was the inaugural, there was good crowd support. Yeah. Because so, people saw us so going past twice.
0: Yeah, so it was, wow. that was
1: quite fun. Fun marathon. Yeah. So that was your first marathon. Yeah. yeah.
0: And what time did you do? I uh,
1: ran three hours four minutes That's
0: uh, that's not too shabby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a bit encouraging, yeah. <laughs> and it you run fast. In my Adidas yes. Rome's, by the way. Oh. Which had worn completely bald under the ball of the foot. Oh, wow. And there was a little hole appearing. Yeah. In the bottom, but I'd trained in them and. I wasn't having any any
0: issues.
1: Foot to shin problems. I ran in them. Wow!
0: Yeah, so. You wouldn't recommend that now,
1: though. No, 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 no. <laughs> not a good plan. Not a great plan.
0: <laughs> so, where do you think your natural athleticism comes from? Because...
1: Uh, I think it's genetics.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I, my mother, tells me that she told me when she was alive that mm. she was a good athlete, a yeah. good hockey player. at uh, school and community level in Liverpool.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: She was the English parent. And I think my dad was a farmer till he was 30. Mm -hmm. uh, And he, any competitions related around their district, he was quite good at athletically. Mm -hmm. um, But he was strong. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think Mum had speed possibly, mm-hmm. just the way mm-hmm. she describes what she was doing. Yeah. Um, my sister's quite a good runner, as a sprinter, but really hasn't bothered with it since childhood.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So it they used is- to send they used to send her away to the inter school
0: wow.
1: running things yeah. for the seventy yeah. and hundred meter sprint. Yeah. Stuff, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, I think there's a fair genetic load. Yeah. In it.
0: Yeah, for you, but obviously there's something else that keeps you moving though because there seems to be you know we can all even like you said that with your sister there seems to be lots of people who have the genetic capacity to be physical I'd almost argue that everybody has that to a degree um, it's just whether they can be you know quick out of the box or um, or just an you know just everyday moving we all have that kind of capacity Um, but what I wonder often what makes people do it
1: out of their own. I really like it. I like the rhythm yeah. of it. I really, I like the motion thing. I like the ability to compete against yourself
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if you want to or if yeah. you don't want to, just go out mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the contacts and socialisation I've made through running. Um, I like the... I've actually been into those areas that runners talk about where you actually forget what you're doing. Yeah, while you're running the zone. Yeah. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Like you suddenly think, Where have I been for the last two or three kilometres? Yeah, because you know, it's all I like the thinking time.
0: Yeah.
1: I often have mm-hmm. memory of important things yeah. while I'm exercising. So
0: that's one of the questions I often ask. What kind of things
1: do you, oh, you I remember. I used to remember things from work yeah. even, you know, like, Oh, I should have done that mm-hmm. and then try to go back and fix that up or you remember oh i'm supposed to meet with someone tomorrow you know and i've not put it in my diary or you know mm-hmm. there's some things that you've been very fortunate to remember or something i don't know there's odd things that crop up that I you heard, think of
0: i heard something the other day sort of referencing that really was um, saying that running is actually like a mindful space so when you're not when we're not running, we're just busy doing our lives mm. and getting on with things and whatever. And But then you take, and our lives are so busy now mm-hmm. in comparison with all of our devices and stuff is on top of normal life. And then you go for a run. The only thing you have to do is put one foot in front of the other and it kind of gives your brain a bit yes. of space. And sometimes that's why I think we remember those things that maybe, you know, like that meeting you were saying, that, yeah. oh, that's right, that meeting. Um, because it's suddenly given our brain a bit of, uh, space because we're not entertaining it with your phone or watching something or reading something you're just kind of running and your body can almost do that without you thinking about it that makes
1: sense yeah going back to uh how do you motivate yourself to go out hmm. like running is the easiest of all the things that i've tried <laughs> so look if you've, if you've got to go for a swim you've got to get find your bathers towel goggles yep. go up to a pool pay to get in or use your card or whatever yeah cycling you've got to get your bike like the tyres, fiddle about, put a helmet on. Whereas running, it is very simple. Yeah. You know, you rent very little gear mm-hmm. and just probably just a good pair of shoes is all you really need to invest in. Yeah. Like, um, and that is really important to invest in those. Even though I joke about running in Adidas rooms, <laughs> I think you need to really look at your footwear for running because yeah. that's going to be the problem if you run a lot that you're going to get injured. Did you
0: ever, just in saying that, did you ever look in the, um, the barefoot running? Craze that well, craze. Yeah. It's actually it is a thing. <laughs> is
1: yeah, I didn't minimal? think that was physiologically going to be sustainable for is distance running because of my knowledge of anatomy, really.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Is that yeah? So it's your knowledge of anatomy, not necessarily <laughs> the fact that we've used you know cushion shoes for you know a long time. Well, most right. of us, by the time you get to running a distance, you've you've worn quite supportive shoes or whatever. But you're saying it's beyond that it could I think anatomically
1: yeah if you're gonna well running on hard surfaces mm-hmm. i think your arch and your ankle needs support
0: yeah
1: um and because we know from like if you say so if your foot's turning in too much mm-hmm. like an excessive pronator for example mm-hmm. then you're going to get into trouble yeah
0: you
1: Now as a barefoot runner you're going to get into trouble with that because you, your barefoot running is not going to compensate for that mm-hmm. so you need a really good arch and they you know you can buy shoes if you know a little bit about it that, and you get help from a professional that knows their job so, well yeah. they can tell you which is the best shoe yeah. for your particular type of anatomy. Yeah. So I think there's a lot in that. Yeah. So yeah so I, really think, I think the, the technology has moved on a lot in the last few years hmm. and yeah buying good shoes and buying them frequently. I, I used to get around it uh, I think by I used to not use the same brand. So I used mm. to change brands. Yeah. And I'd always have at least two, and sometimes three pairs on the go. Yeah. And I just used to change them randomly, okay. so I'd get a different wear pattern, weight pattern, structure yeah. pattern out of each shoe. Mm. So funny. I thought that was quite helpful. And I didn't get many injuries from running.
0: I think like, I get. I now have permission to tell my husband I need another two pairs of shoes, so I can have three on the go instead of just one. <laughs> and work out idea. work out how
1: much distance you're running and multiply it out and. Decide, you know, these shoes have done 600k or 700, yeah. or whatever.
0: So that's the number I have in my head like yeah. 600k for a pair of shoes, yeah, basically. And running. if you're
1: short of money, go a bit longer as long as mm. you're not getting injured, mm. if you can't afford them at the time.
0: So, what's your favorite type of running, like the place that you go, that you're a trail runner, road runner, a mix? What kind of running do you like the best?
1: Uh, I'm not a trail runner, but I like park running. I think yeah. I, I mean, we're living really close to heritage forest now, and I yeah. think that's so safe and so pleasant and yeah. you don't have to concentrate on traffic or traffic lights. Yeah. So I like that. I, I like running from Stillwater out to tail race,
0: because
1: yeah. that's also similar. You don't have to worry about yeah. there's only one road crossing on the way to worry about. Yeah. So I think safe places now are good. Yeah. yeah. And and that's why that's why I run, like no no that's why I like the uh, towpath I think oh yeah yeah because totally. there's no vehicles yeah like so you don't have to there's the odd cyclist that's about it and a dog. nothing
0: to break your rhythm running
1: guess. up here in lots up the gorge I did a little marathon training up there quite a lot mm-hmm. um, so you're away from traffic so I think there's always a risk on the road I've done a lot of roadside running yeah um, and the other thing i got injured shin splints from running on a cambered road yeah so flat areas Mm um i don't say oh yeah gravel but not trail Mm -hmm. would be my preferred option
0: because i know that i know that you do things that take you out into wild places Mm -hmm. like you guys aren't you don't just run Mm -hmm. you've got a whole bunch of other sports that you do and uh, you also have done a lot of hiking. I mean, you mentioned earlier being, uh, you know, when you're 18 down mm. in the west. So I guess maybe you get your touch of nature or wilderness that way with you when you're walking. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I think walk, well, running really helps with bushwalking. Mm. Like, so it's once again this endurance. running gives you this endurance. So mm-hmm. if you've had a hard day walking, you know you're going to recover. Mm. And I tended to be uh, fitter than most of the people I was walking with as I got older because I managed to keep running late into my life, mm-hmm. whereas other people are backed off or they have never been runners and they're just bushwalkers. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to be fitter than them. So yeah. that helps an awful lot with your enjoyment of being in the bush because yeah, you've got all this aerobic capacity yeah. and you've got this endurance capacity. Uh, that you've act sort of accidentally got as a bonus, mm. in a way, for bushwalking. Mm. So, yeah, because you can't bushwalk all the time. It's time-consuming, whereas yeah, you can yeah. run all the time. You
0: know. Yeah, so you can keep that level of fitness up mm. for the in-between when you're not mm. bushwalking. guess. Mm. Okay. Mm. Now, I know that you've had injuries. In fact, I know that right now you're not running at yep. the moment. How does that affect your identity? Because I've talked a lot on this podcast about identity, and those people who attach their identity heavily to being a runner, in this case, we're talking about. Um, yeah, do, how do you feel when you have an injury and you can't run for um,
1: a while? Yeah, I've had a few injuries, and I've because I've been able to swim and cycle, mm-hmm. I don't consider that I've been incapacitated in yeah. a peculiar kind of way. So I think the important thing is to keep up your aerobic conditioning, like yeah. keep your heart and lung unit. That's yeah. what keep your heart, lung unit working, keep your weight around where it should be are the essentials of all this physical activity. Um, So I've always just switched. uh, I've usually kept cycling and running and swimming going as well as running. But when I'm injured, I just stop running Mm. and or back right off Mm. and do a lot more cycling and swimming. So I still have my identity in a way as an athlete.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Of some kind. Yeah not a great athlete, but just someone who's a social athlete, still ticking along. So, you know, more recently I've not been running, but I've been swimming. Yes. And then I've been coming down and still socialising afterwards with the runners and walkers yeah. and having a coffee. So yeah. I don't even feel like I'm not
0: Participate. participating. Like you've just had a bit of exercise because yeah. those who don't know, he does go and does he swimming or he's cycling yeah. at the same time as as the rest yeah, of us running or walking.
1: We've been linked to the Launceston Running Club for years, so mm-hmm. I still go and uh, help as a volunteer. So I'm actually part of the running community, yeah. whether I'm running or not. Yeah. So, yeah. so, it's, so it's, it's, it doesn't affect me. I don't think
0: your identity is not tied to no. I am a runner. Your identity is tied to I am a, a person who. Likes to say physically healthy, or yeah. you know, some it, it's kind of a, a much bigger bucket perhaps to pull from. So, if something does happen, like an injury, yeah. you're not like devastated because you can't run mm-hmm. because you know there's this bigger picture that you've got. Uh, and maybe that's what we've sort of been pulling on in, in these um, recordings is that it's actually a bit healthier to find that bigger bucket to tie mm-hmm. your identity to than just the one activity that you may have to stop for some reason in the future.
1: Also, in my medical career of course i've been dealing with people who are quite disabled mm. from either the oh, birth or things that have happened since yeah, accidents and, and whatever and um, i just often think about that like mm. how can i complain about my kind of injury from running when these people have never even had the chance
0: yeah
1: to run at all so too. that's quite a uh, something that Helps, I think, with me to think through things, to have some good perspective.
0: being grateful for what you can still do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Um,
0: so how long do you you think you'll get back to running?
1: That's one question. I'm pretty sure, I'm 90% sure that I won't. Yeah. Uh, I think, and the injuries I have are not running injuries. Mm. The the main injury at the moment is a knee that's related to soccer Mm -hmm. when I was about a 30-year-old. Yeah. And... Um,
0: and do you still I, play tennis with that
1: knee? Yeah, and unfortunately, that's probably coming <laughs> to an end. So it's Perfect. going to be swimming and cycling, okay. I think, from largely now on. But yep. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on running
0: cool.
1: totally because out of all the things I've done, it's the thing I actually enjoy the most. Yeah. So I just love that kind of freedom of getting out there and just putting one foot in front of the other and a simple. Yep. Mm. The simplicity of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the effortlessness of it in a way because you can pick on any day how fast or slow you're going to go.
0: Yeah,
1: like you can go out and just enjoy it as a job, where you can yeah. go out there and go, I'm going to try and run flat out today and see what happens, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: so yeah.
0: so hopefully you'll get back to it a little bit, <laughs> but you're still walking, of course, yeah. so uh, and bushwalking as well. Yep, a little so bit. Yeah, it's the same so yeah. it's the same movements they just just the speed at which you're doing it i right. guess and you're not working uh you although when you're going uphill there's probably an argument to be said for the comparison between a slow jog and or even just a jog and yeah. walking up a hill uh, you're probably using all the same yeah,
1: but i like that okay. breathing hard and mm-hmm. feel your heart rate going because yeah. i think oh, this is good i'm yeah. getting some fitness
0: so do you think the reason that so many people don't exercise is that that, uncom- that What you're talking about there, people describe as uncomfortable. You know, that breathing hard and, and struggling to, you know, it's not easy, I guess is what I'm saying. There's too many people who don't want to be uncomfortable yeah, I, in order to exercise. I
1: tried through my working life as a medical practitioner to encourage people, to, obviously, to do physical activity because mm-hmm. I was doing it and mm-hmm. I thought it was good for everybody. Um, and particularly in town, here, you know, I try to get a lot of people to actually go and do the park run yeah. as a walk mm-hmm. or as a run, whatever they could do, you know, yeah. like, and I'd explain to them because people are really nervous about starting. There's social reasons for that. They yeah. don't feel oh, they're too, they need to go with someone other to, to get them through the process. I think yeah. it's hard to start by yourself if you've not been used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, I'll meet you there. I'm going yeah. this week, you know, like to turn up and I'll show you how to get going. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, wouldn't turn up. But a few people have, which yeah. is good. Uh, but I, I think there's a bit of a in our culture now. There's a bit of this hesitancy because people think you have to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I see walking and running as really natural things.
0: Yeah.
1: So and just go at your own pace and just get started. You know, mm-hmm. like, and then people have, um, say some diagnostic things that they worry about, like diabetes or heart disease or something, and they think I've got to get professional advice mm. to actually know how to start. Yeah. But they don't. Like, it's pretty straightforward. You just start walking. Yeah. And then if it's a little bit uncomfortable, just keep going. If it's getting too uncomfortable, well, just back off. Don't go too hard. Just get into it slowly. You know, like...
0: Is it that we're not listening to our bodies? A little I blunt? think so, absolutely. Or we don't? Yeah.
1: If you've not been used to doing exercise, you maybe don't don't quite know what to expect. You don't
0: know the difference between this is an injury, slash, you know, not good for my body, or this is my body, the little bit of pain my body needs to go through to get to that next Mm. point or that next bit of fitness or this next level.
1: So if you look at professional athletes, they push themselves super hard after Mm. injury. They're sure they've got a team of people helping them, but they actually know pretty much what the limits of their pain or discomfort is going to be because they've been through it before. Mm. But if you're a novice, how do you know? It's hard. Yeah, so,
0: yeah. is this pain? But I think friends bad? help,
1: like start, you know, start walking with someone.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, talk to people who do a bit of exercise, then increase it a bit, go faster or whatever. You know? I think
0: parkrun's been a pretty good thing for the oh, community. I think it's a
1: marvellous thing. Like we've, Anne and I've had the privilege of doing park run around the world a little bit. So, and, um, yeah, we've done it in Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Malaysia, mm-hmm. Singapore, mm-hmm. and it's all... It's exactly the same format, so you know what you're turning up to. Mm-hmm. And we find it socially quite pleasant. Like, yeah. People have been very friendly mm-hmm. in all locations, really. So it's good.
0: So do you run more with people or without people when you, when you were running? Mind you, everyone, Pete's only probably... Stopped your last run, probably would have been two months ago or something. Yeah, not, not that long ago. So, do you normally run with people, without people, or a bit of a
1: mix? Mix, a mix, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I suppose, yeah, I, I, I quite often train by myself, but mm. I like running with people. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: That social side of
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in the in the 80s, there were four of us that were running regularly here in Launceston. Mm-hmm. Um and we were moderately good runners at the yeah. time. Uh, and we used to meet twice a week down at Newstead and run to Mowbray and back. Wow! Um, and sometimes, for the fun of it, we'd handicap ourselves because we weren't all the same pace. So we'd have a little event about once every six weeks or something. Yeah, that was fun. So we'd run hard then. It's a way of improving. And I've run. I've run in events here, like the Lonnie Ten and yeah. the Bernie Ten. And
0: but do you like what? events like um, races as opposed to you know going training?
1: I, I like them. Well, since Aunt, my wife took up running, mm-hmm. then she likes events more than I do in a way. So I, but I like to go along as well. And it, they're social in, in many
0: ways. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, so they're good fun.
0: Because yeah. so, some people. The motivation for the training, like once they start running a little bit, the motivation is they choose an event, you know, that's two or three months away, five k, ten k, half marathon, or whatever a marathon, and they train for that, and that tends to be the thing that gets them out the door. Yeah, well, I, I think that's
1: good if that's the motivation. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but obviously, it's not your. It, you don't. Need I could do without that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I read about one guy in Hobart area who, when he came home from work. As soon if he went into the warmth of the house in the winter, he'd have trouble going back out. Yeah, so he put his running gear in the veranda <laughs> and got changed there.
0: It's a good idea
1: so that he knew he's coming home straight in a running gear, yeah, and then go and run his run, whatever, <laughs> and then come home. Like, I thought this is you know, whatever works, yeah, to keep you running was good. And he's he's quite a good runner, so
0: I have a similar thing, I'm not that good a runner, but if I have a meeting that's on early when I would normally be mm-hmm. going for a run and I'm like, oh, I'll go for a run straight after, I have started putting my running clothes on underneath whatever my work clothes are because the meeting's usually on Zoom. Uh, so nobody can really tell because it's <laughs> – but then it's very much easier for yeah. me then to just take off a couple of layers and go for my run than it is for me to take all my clothes off and put on my running clothes. Right. So that was that's a bit of – the resistance, I've taken away yeah. to make sure I still. Work I sometimes
1: put my clothes out in the laundry yeah. the night before if yeah. I'm going to go early in the morning. Yeah. That kind of thing, so. just to get
0: going.
1: Yeah, but but then I'll go whether it's raining or windy or whatever because I'm going, like so I can handle the weather.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, I will. I'm a bit like that too. Yeah, I think so. Kind of make myself go. Um, yeah, <laughs> or else I think I feel. Um, I feel too guilty later if I don't. So I don't know what that says about me. But, you know, on those times when you said you're going to go uh, if I don't go. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like letting myself down.
1: Yeah, I don't do very well if I haven't exercised for a few Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. So I'm a bit dependent, I
0: think. Yeah. Um, So. Do
1: you get grumpy when you say you don't do
0: very well? What
1: happens? uh, I sleep better when I'm exercising. Yeah. Uh, I sleep well anyway, Anne would say. But um, (laughs) yeah, I probably get a bit irritable. Yeah. I would say. Uh, How
0: do you so, handle that in Africa? Just because uh, I, of the temperature, ocean yeah, exercise is I should When a we went different. there
1: in 96, I was 40-year-old. Mm. And I didn't. we swam a little bit for the first six months. But then for a year, I didn't do any running. Mm-hmm. And then I started.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I really enjoyed that, actually. Um, that was different again. But I started running up, uh, up and down a... Little airstrip we had next to the hospital, mm-hmm. so that was nine uh, nine hundred metres long. Yeah. So I started, and then I started off running through the cornfields,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was oh, all wow. a bit. But you could only do it running after six at night because it was so hot yeah. and muggy for most of the year. Um, and yeah, running through the cornfields was there were snakes about, and it was all a bit. And the corn there is higher than your head, so you're actually generally running on walking trails that the locals have to get about.
0: What so. did the locals think of you running?
1: Uh, it was a bit odd. Yes. There's a white guy going up <laughs> running when it's so hot. Yeah. And like they're busy enough and their lives are hard enough mm. just living, let alone
0: yeah, exercising. Yeah.
1: Uh, but And some of the kids would try and come with me. And, of course, typically kids, they're good for about... The first five hundred meters, and then it's like, oh. and they're running on ahead, being smart, you know, yeah. like and then they can't do it because they're not <laughs> they
0: have the stamina. They're not stamina, yeah.
1: So, but yeah, so you're running along through on sandy tracks and dried riverbeds, oh, wow. and that was good. I was, so I was doing that maybe two or three times a week, yeah. so, and I've got yeah. So I, I found I, I didn't have much trouble getting started again and getting back into it.
0: Yeah, yeah so. I think some of that must be. Your physiology, as we said before, your genetics, you you do have, yeah. and you come from a, a background that's quite, um, yeah. you know, you're lucky, yeah. quite physical.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I enjoyed that.
0: And you yeah. didn't run this last time when you were away? It was six months or so? Yeah, I ran
1: a bit then, because yeah. we had, uh, there were a couple of guys I was working with who were keen. Okay. So it, once again, I, I ran in the capital with one guy for the few times when we were there. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, we ran up and down the airstrip a bit again. And then uh, where we were on location uh, February, March last year, I did a little bit of running, but it was difficult. Mm-hmm. But Anne and I used to get up on at dawn yeah. and go walking yeah. for about half an hour briskly, mm-hmm. which also was a bit odd, but there <laughs> were a few people walking. So.
0: so that's the kind of thing you'll probably do this time then, now that you're yeah, the we'll running. Yeah, we'll do walking. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Got to do something to keep, yeah, that's what keep, I was thinking keep moving. it moving.
0: You just said too, the exercise is so important. I assume there isn't a, a big fancy swimming pool just nearby.
1: We've done quarantine. I think you know about some of that. But um, when we had to do it at home here after being in Sydney in yeah. the, lock, the Northern Beaches lockdown at Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, we'd hide a treadmill for home. It was fantastic. So. There were four of us: my two daughters, yeah. Anna and myself. Um, did quarantine for two weeks, and the treadmill got well. A got a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Someone was on it every day, for <laughs> half an hour to an hour.
0: So. so you can't? Would you have a treadmill? You right? could use okay. a
1: treadmill. Yeah, they, yeah, they're available. You can. You probably want a fan anything. right near you
0: or something. I suppose. If you Put watch. it on the veranda. Yeah. And, yeah. Get a, bit and of a fan.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe late in the day. Okay. Yeah. Cools down at night.
0: So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, Peter. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like cheating, not cheating, but asking you this question just because of your position um, as a doctor mm-hmm. and your love of running and, and exercise in general. Um, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot, and that is, um, and you've even mentioned it really a little bit today already, mm-hmm. but some tips for people wanting to start to moving, start running, uh, whether they're coming back from injury or just have never done it. What do you think some of the best ways to get people To just start moving, really,
1: to start running. I think the easiest way is to make a commitment with one other person Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: meet with them. Mm Yeah. Start off twice a week, Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, And they don't actually have to be a runner or a walker Mm -hmm. either, but you can start together. Yeah. And then you have diarise it. So that you know this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, Turn it into a coffee afterwards if that's what you want to do or don't have to. Um, But don't eat afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, don't turn it into a coffee and muffin because that defeats
0: (laughs) the purpose. purpose. Mm -hmm.
1: And you don't need it because the exercise will suppress your appetite for a while. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's what it's doing when
1: I don't want to eat. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, meet a buddy, I think, the easiest way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you've got a definite arrangement, you can't back off unless you're yeah. ill, you know. You let someone do. Yeah. Um, and I I think that's a long term, very good strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, find if you want to go and actually run, you can actually join a running club mm-hmm. if that's what you want. Park run is fantastic in this town. There's, no, yeah. there's almost no excuse for not going there at any age because yeah. you you can walk the thing with your pet
0: yeah,
1: uh, and you can go with a friend mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure you can generally well you could you could email the committee and say can someone guide me through it even you know like so yeah. there's ways of getting involved in that yeah and then yeah. you can volunteer there you can be part of that community i think that's fantastic we're part of the launceston running club that's uh, another level up but mm-hmm. it's not much up
0: yeah
1: and a lot of people do both mm-hmm. and are involved in both um yeah there's ramblers associations in town there's lots of things you can do to get moving Um, you can actually just decide that i'm going to park a long way away from where i'm going Mm -hmm. or not you know walk from home to places Um, i think people use their cars more than absolutely necessary
0: Mm. there's lots of options that's what i and plus that element of community that seems to be a lot of of what you were saying there too Mm. You know that having an, an extra person that you're accountable for, but then taking you know that next step is you know doing park run and making that a part of your your calendar each week yeah. uh, and as often as you can and then even going um you know up into a running club where there might be some competing regularly like we do here in Rochester. Um and that it's kind of the community thing, isn't it? I yeah. know a lot of people that we've I've had on the podcast recently have talked about that element of community. It just becomes part of, of their social life as well. Like it's not just they, they go for a run exercise, but they suddenly have all these new friends and, and, you know, they look back in 10 years and they see that that was kind of a pivotal time when mm. they, they joined a running club or they started parkrun and made new friends. And, mm. and uh, yeah, and suddenly they're runner. <laughs>
1: I think people need to be assured that that hesitation at the start is normal human behaviour. Like you're not you're not unusual because you feel a bit socially difficult Mm. when you start out on something, and you actually don't know what to do. But don't worry about it. You just move on. You know, like so. They've all those other people have been through that sometime. They understand it, and someone will usually come alongside you and help you.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like so.
0: There's a big thing with people, uh, you know, worried about what other people think. Mm. Um, in that circumstance, you know, am I wearing the right shoes? Am I wearing the right this, and mm. right that? But the reality is, when you if you go to a park run, for example, you will have people all shapes and sizes, yeah. all levels of fitness, beginners, um, very experienced people in, you know, their jeans, and people in, you know, the high end running gear. You've got and everything in between. Mm. It's not there is no right. I guess is what we're, what we're saying with something like yeah, park there's run. There's a
1: preoccupation in the culture with looking the the right way yeah. so people are, are you know are worried about their body habits as mm-hmm. if everybody's looking at them mm-hmm. but it, in reality it's not we're not
0: we're just thinking about ourselves <laughs> so, just about their own so
1: people don't need to worry about that but that's a hard message to get across it is like, and i think even those of
0: us who preach that we probably still have those voices in our heads mm-hmm. because we it's so
1: i get really excited thing. when i see people with poor body habitus trying and starting you know yes. like because i think this is a way to actually overcome some of that yeah. And, you know.
0: Totally. Just get out there and do it. I yeah. know oh, that's Nike. <laughs> that's a Nike slogan. Mm-hmm. Just get out
1: there and do it. Uh, I used to draw up plans for some of my patients. Yeah. Now there's exercise physiologists for that task. Yeah. Uh, so it's not necessary so much now you can you can get um, um get them on a healthcare plan, plan and refer them to various people yeah. like the physio or the uh, exercise physiologist maybe and they can get nice graded plans and yeah. if you go to a gym now anyway you can get a graded plan from the gym PT
0: then. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So and th- that's something that's you know at a professional level now so that's all good so if you're not sure how to start uh, i've really tried get, to get people into the pool yeah uh, and i think i've only succeeded three times <laughs> so with, why do you from, think the
0: pool versus running oh it's body habitus yeah. i think yeah
1: like and uh Occasionally people say they can't swim
0: yeah.
1: as adults. I said, well, okay. you can buy lessons. Like yeah. this is a mag- magnificent investment for you to spend money now
0: yeah.
1: and just learn the basics of swimming. There's yeah. coaches there. You can hire a coach. And, you know, so I know one person who did that as an adult. So, so there, are, there are ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so.
0: so last question, what do you think running has given your life?
1: It's given me enormous pleasure,
0: mm-hmm. enjoyment, mm-hmm.
1: good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kept kept me, I think, very healthy, at the uh, physiological, yeah. and mental level. I would think,
0: yeah.
1: like, let me cope and manage all the complexities of life. That's the same as anybody else's life. They're all yeah. complex, but yeah, I've, I'm so pleased that I discovered running mm-hmm. and able to continue it for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm age sixty seven now and mm-hmm. I was running well last year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's you know, I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that if I get to fifty and still run, I'd be happy. <laughs> but of course when you get to fifty <laughs> it's
0: like, wow. it's oh, another de- another <laughs>
1: decade might be good, you know, some yeah. So it's just been really marvelous. Yeah. And
0: you're well past that. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: so, yeah. Yeah. that's awesome so is there anything that we haven't covered that we should have that's my last question
1: <laughs> um no i think you've covered it well i think yeah just people shouldn't be afraid of running mm. it's uh shouldn't um yeah whatever standard of running you can achieve is what you can achieve in life you know uh, very few are going to be very good at it mm. But we'll get a lot of enjoyment out of participating,
0: and it'll be very good for us. Yeah. So whether we're very good at it or not is irrelevant. And it'll basically. be
1: good for the other people that come on the journey with you too, because mm, you'll drag people along, mm. and you'll have friends, and they'll think that that was good. That we mean? we spent time together doing this activity, yeah. and there's friendships that grow out of it. Yeah. So I think it's all good.
0: And being an example for those around you as well.
1: Yep, your family, modelling and it, and your friends, things yeah. too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always say pretty much everyone is born to be a runner because, by mechanically, that's yeah. what. You're a doctor. Can you agree with me? <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely. Yes. Well, at least a mover. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you know, exertion, doing something physical, getting up out of your chair.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yep. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, I will let you go, Pete. We've, we've taken up more of your time than we needed to, and I know you need to be packing because you're literally less than two weeks away. How...
1: Yeah, it's twelve days. Twelve days away
0: from moving away uh, and going back to Africa for at least a year or two. Uh, a bit we've, we've
1: got a marvelous dinner with our running friends on Saturday coming up, so that's a really nice thing. Yes. So that's just grown out of running.
0: Exactly. Yeah. We have uh, running. We wouldn't have this dinner coming up before Adam and Pete leave it just or uh, well, less than two weeks. So. As I said, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom with running because you have so much wisdom around this subject. We could probably speak for hours, but I do need to let you go.
1: Thanks, Michelle. (laughs) It's been fantastic. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. For a bunch of resources to help you get and stay fit, head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. I'll also be back here once a week. Bye.